and welcome to the, the latest and the final edition of Copcast at the Euros. Uh, yep, final being the operative word. Of course, we're coming to you now a couple of days. We're recording this a couple of days after Italy's famous win at uh, Wembley Stadium on Sunday, the 11th of July, 2021, of course, but Euro 2020, as, as you'll know by now. So, um, so I'm your host, Neil Patterson, and uh, joining me to discuss this most momentous of occasions, I've got, uh, yeah, a rather a, rather a full panel. So, first up in Liverpool, it's uh, Andy Bell. How are you doing, Andy? Yes, Chief, I'm good, thank you. Um, Copcast at the Euros, I quite like that, but I feel like we haven't used it for any of the podcasts so far, which feels... No, feels quite sad. Just, we're literally at the last two rounds of the Euros. <laughs> <laughs> Well, fair enough. You had a legitimate yeah. excuse to use that since you were at the last two games. But anyway. <laughs> I know. But I, I like it, Chief. I like how you thought of it in the spot as well. But no, I'm good. Thank you. Um, I had to go into work on Monday. Literally got off the train back to Liverpool at 7 o'clock in the morning. Was in work at, at 9. So, uh, yeah, slept for approximately 36 of the last 40 hours, I think. But, yeah, I'm well rested and ready to chat about it. Nice one, nice one. So you should be fit and firing then. That's that's good stuff. Um, and in the Netherlands, alongside uh, Andy, we've got uh, Beryl Akis. How are you doing, Beryl? Uh, I'm fine, thank you, thank you. I'm uh, yeah. Also looking to to have a chat about football. Um, haven't been on for a while, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Great to have you back on. And uh, last, but by no means ever least, it's uh, Dave Dunning in Belfast. How are you doing, Dave? Take static, Chief. Thanks very much. (laughs) Davido, Davido Dunning. Yeah, I'm very much plastic wop at the minute, you know, digging back into the the maternal heritage and also doing my bank balance, no harm at all. So, yeah, I'm in good form. Excellent stuff. Yeah, I mean... It was a it w- was a uh, a financially uh, lucrative win for 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 Italy on uh, on Sunday night and and that's that's I guess where we'll start. So yeah, it's a <clears throat> it's a, it's a hell of a final, really. It's 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 a home final for England. Uh, it's an expectant Wembley crowd. Many have paid a lot for tickets. Others just rushed the guards and. And, and jumped in, um, which we might get to later. But yeah, certainly an expecting crowd, a feral atmosphere. Um, yeah, and uh, of course England go up, and 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 what happens happens. So I don't really want to lead you on this. So I'm, I want I want you really to go go where you will with it. So um, Andy, I'll start with you because you were actually at the game. Um, Managed to get yourself a, a ticket as a as an Italy fan, so good stuff. So yeah, talk, talk us through it. How was it for you? What was the experience like, and and what did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, Dave refers to himself as a plastic wop, as somebody who registered as an Italy fan on the ticket portal two days before the semi final against Spain, then got an email saying that I get priority booking as an Italy supporter. <laughs> I really felt the same way, um, but it was a nice surprise to. Um, to kind of wake up to on the on the Friday morning, and uh, obviously got on it as as quick as I could. And you say a financially lucrative tournament for Italy. Financially for me, I'm absolutely on my arse for the next month. But it's one of those once in a lifetime opportunities that I felt I couldn't pass away. 
um, you know, going to a semi-final and a final of European Championships really feels like I've completed the sets in terms of neutrally watching football and going to a game. I guess the only way that could be um, bettered in my football watching experience would be like watching Liverpool in a Champions League final or win the Premier League at Anfield or something like that. So, yeah, it was it was amazing. I got myself down early on the Saturday. Obviously, I was just on my own. I wasn't drinking, so I got myself in the ground early. But uh, took in some of the scenes around London, um, around the Box Park area, I think it was, uh, where everyone was just going a bit mental. And it seemed like good crack, to be fair. I know we'll come on to talk about the images we've seen and the videos we've seen plastered all over social media of the England fans acting like stereotypical England fans. But certainly in my experience, and it was only a small part of London, and you know, I certainly only saw less than one percent of the, the the total supporters in the ground and in, in my experience but everyone seemed sound everyone seemed to be enjoying themselves um and the songs were mostly not about the war which is was good to hear and was is rare so yeah i got myself in early um and to be fair uh in retrospect i'm i'm happy that that i actually did get to see an england goal um, and just be there and, and watch the limbs and the, the crowd go mental as uh, as England score a goal in, a, in probably what's the biggest game for them in 55 years. I probably wouldn't be saying that if they'd, they'd held on and won 1-0. So, yeah, I was in with the Italy fans. It was a bit mixed where we were, but it was very much the Italy end. Um, and when Bonucci, you know, scrambled that in, it was a it was a super celebration. And, and similarly, when the, the, uh, the final penalty was saved. So, yeah, I really enjoyed myself. Um, in terms of the actual game, I'll, I'll just go dead quick on that and, and give a quick summary. Um, I think the the two things everyone's kind of focusing on tactically and, and in terms of the approach of the game is how England played at uh, after kind of they scored and and also the penalty shootout. So, just to give my two takes on it, I, I did think England were were very panicky after they scored. I think I said on this podcast that they had to go into that game and take advantage of the first twenty minutes, half an hour, and take advantage of that that wave of the England fans being completely behind them, the momentum, you know, the, the passion of 70,000 people at Wembley, a home tournament. And uh, after 18 months of everyone being basically holed up in their homes and, and haven't had nothing to do. And, you know, they take the lead in the fourth minute. And that, that's exactly what I thought. The only way I thought England could win the game, I thought if Italy get to 30 at nil, nil, uh, there's only one winner. And that's kind of, kind of how I felt after Benucci scored and after we went into extra time. So yeah, it was, uh, um, they were just very panicky. And uh, as I was saying in the pre-pod, I read something this morning, which is the best way I've, I've seen it described in terms of their approach after the goal. And that was that they played the last hour, like it was the last five minutes. Um, at one point, Maguire kicks it into touch, like he's playing for territory in a rugby union game. Uh, Walker was jittery at times, even when they tried to like stay calm and play it out and not just hoof it to the nearest front man. Even when they did that, they uh, they they struggled massively to, to keep their composure in terms of the passing and break in an effective way. So, you know, that could work. And listen, the ends justify the means always. And Southgate will say that. And he's got more right than he has got wrong in this tournament. There's no doubt about that. But the tide definitely does swing towards Italy. They start to dominate the ball. They start to create more and more chances. And they bundle one in like Italian sides like that always do. And to be honest, there was... I looked at it an extra time and I saw obviously Chiesa went off and I think that should have been a real opportunity for England to go for it an extra time, especially obviously with the fans having had a break at full time, the energy behind them again. And Italy were what they lined up with a front three of Berardi, Bernadeschi and Bellotti, which is a decent enough front three. It's a Champions League front three, but 
if you come up against that an extra time, I feel like a better, braver manager would have gone for it and said, you know, even we can go for it at the back now. You know, we can we can get away with that against Andrea Bellotti. He's a bit of a battering ram. Do you really need three centre halves around him to defend? Probably not. That said, obviously England do score with the the wing backs combining. So it's there's a million different facets to this. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there. I get because I guess we'll come on to talk about the penalties in a in a more separate part of the podcast. But really enjoyed myself. Got to watch a European Championship final out of the blue. Um, and we'll deal with the consequences of that in the next month as a meeting passed every night. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Well, I mean, sticking with the Italian vibe there on the pasta as well. So yes, always, yeah, that's yeah. I didn't even think of that, but yeah, fair. So always good. Um, Get a few frozen one pound frozen pizzas to mix it up. That's that's it. Like, make sure you're make sure you're down for the next games uh, as a as a preferred supporter as well. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, great. So, um, better all come to you then. Um, so yeah. As, as we said, England uh, England go up, and as Andy says, he gets to experience what it's like, and the limbs going everywhere, and 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 people going nuts and so on. So, what was your take on it then? Where did it, where did it go wrong? What? How does it pan out? Why does it pan out? How it pans out? And um, yeah, what what's your uh, what are your kind of takes on the, on the game? Is there is there anything that stands out for you? Um, yeah, well, what does stand out is that I think England played two minutes, I think, uh, of football. And, uh, you know, Andy summed it up, summed it up well, uh, you know, even if it's someone else's, uh, you know, uh, description of, of what England did. Um, that is basically all I do on podcasts, but I take other people's opinions <laughs> no, and pass them off as my own. It's you know if 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 you take the right opinions and you make a, a night collage of them and that that's that's it's very good but you know I liked uh, the way you you just described that I think um, uh, England didn't have any um, it, it didn't seem like that they had did have any plan to to how they wanted to win this game except from you know um, um, trying to. To, to keep the the one nil uh, um, advantage that they got in in the second minute, uh, and 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 to be fair, this this was a good goal, and and this this was probably part of the their plan of, of you know being very um, being very wide and and using a Trippier and and Shaw as uh, as outlets uh, to to, um, to to find opportunities behind uh, the also uh, attacking fullbacks of of Italy, but you know that that was all of it. Uh, they scored the goal, and uh, it was surprising because I thought you know England started more nervy than 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 Italy. I, I thought because uh, the first thing I think Maguire did was was give away a corner, if I remember correctly. But from that corner, they uh, they they countered. Um, and and this was probably the only counter that they that they started and what you would expect is when you um you uh have an advantage from the second minute on that you try to counter uh, especially when you have uh, someone like uh, Raheem Sterling who is not only um, very quick um but also you know has been um probably England's best player in this uh, in this tournament you know i i know they Try to label uh, Harry Kane as as, uh, as as the best player, but you know, he, he he very clearly wasn't. Um, 
but you know, none of this uh, happened. Um, I didn't see any uh, coherent attacking. I didn't see any plan to uh, to find uh, space again uh, uh, behind these uh, these attacking fullbacks of Italy. Uh, I, I didn't see a plan to to um, to exploit the fact that you know Bonucci and Chiellini are, are very good defenders positionally, but you know they are they're not the youngest and they haven't been quick even when they were young. So you know you, you might think that there is some space to exploit behind them. Uh, none of this happened, and uh, and you asked me what went wrong, but I, I didn't think something went wrong because I was supporting Italy. Um, I think things went right. Uh, Italy didn't get uh, it right um, uh, immediately, but uh, after the the break, uh, it was clear that that Mancini did have a plan, and and he is a good manager. We, we said this before. I said this before uh, on the, uh, uh, the the Copcast at the Euros uh, podcast. Um, uh, I, I think stuff. Um, he, <laughs> I, I think he had a um, he, he had a plan and. Um, I also said before that I I don't think Immobile is a very good player and and you know he you know he's not a bad player but he he isn't at the level I I think you would expect in this team in a team winning the Euros or you know a, 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 an, a, an international tournament um, um, maybe I'm being unfair uh, against him but I I think uh, Italy have have been better when he went off uh, in every game that he went off uh, and and so it did happen again and 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 then Italy tar- started to dominate even more and uh, I think yeah it, it wasn't a, a beautiful goal or something like that but it, it was a well well deserved goal and it tried to do even more after that um I think they and this is obviously speculation, and will never be. Uh, uh, we will never know the truth. But uh, I think they would have won the game in 120 minutes or in 90 minutes, even if uh, you know their best players uh, in Chiesa, uh, um, Ferrati, and uh, and Insigne didn't have to come off. Um, and I think uh, you know the best team won, and the best team of this game won, but also the best team. Of the tournament one, so I'm happy with the outcome. Okay, excellent. No, I mean I wouldn't disagree, and obviously, yeah, what went wrong was was certainly from from England's point of view rather than rather than Italy or 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 ours watching it. I I, I would say. Um, so, Dave, yeah, um, Beryl mentions there uh, a couple of things. So, obviously. Uh, perhaps uh, Southgate's lack of, of, of tactical noise in, in, in adjusting to Mancini's tactical noise, uh, and um, and also the fact that uh, you know the best team won uh, both on the night but also in, in the tournament. So, would, would you agree with, with with those and and any other sort of things you want to want to add about about the game? Yeah, totally agree. You know, essentially it's one from the dugout, isn't it? Um, England get the goal. I said from the start, I didn't think that they were any good. And, you know, I'm watching the tournament and I'm like, they're no good. And they keep getting through rounds, but not playing anybody, which seemed to be the, seemed to be the stick they were using to beat Italy with, which I thought was kind of bizarre. Um, and then that kind of sentiment dissipated when they get past Belgium, 
very, very comprehensively. You know, they find a way to beat Spain after Spain dominate with the ball. And they come back against England and, and they win the game. And, you know, I think Beryl's relatively the better team throughout the whole tournament. Um, England get the early goal. They don't react. Um, they don't know what to do. They've got no plan B. Um, and this is after, you know, one of at least main attacking threats and what a lot of their system was built around was, was Spinazzola and, and kind of the other fullback, which in hindsight now, well, I think I talked a bit about how I wondered would Florenzi play, but actually De Lorenzo seems to be the fullback that doesn't go and that was on the other side and that seems to be why he keeps his place and that balance is kind of not quite there because Emerson Palmieri is not at that same level. I thought Palmieri was brilliant, Dave, after I absolutely ripped into him in one of these podcasts after the semis. I thought he really stepped up. He was, but I thought first 20 minutes he was all over the place defensively. Yeah, I thought he was all over the shop. Now they do get it right and I don't know how much of that's down to Mancini tweaking it. Um, I'm sure it's something to do with it, you know, second half of the first half. But ultimately, if you're looking at England, you know, they're talking about who their best players of the tournament were. Maguire, Stones, Walker, Shaw. There's their back four-ish, back five. Rice and Phillips. Mount, for me, pretty much completely anonymous throughout throughout the entire tournament. And after the first 20 minutes, Sterling and Kane just weren't in the game at all. And... Southgate fails to react when when Mancini pulls Immobile, who I actually think suffers from the fact that England get the early goal because they sit so deep he has no space. His game's running in behind and stretching defences, and he just does not have that opportunity to do so. Um, so the early goal really does change the game as it often does, but I think this game more than most. Um, and then Mancini decides, right, I'm hooking him. I'm going to go with, like, essentially Insigne in, like, a false nine position through Chiesa out the, out the left-hand side. And they really, really dominate. You know, Jorginho and Verratti get a lot more a lot more space and see a lot more of the ball. Chiellini's, Chiellini's playing 10 yards inside. Inside England's half. at kind of like a left-back position, nearly. So, you know... It only looked like one winner from probably 10 minutes into the second half and that change is made. Berardi comes on, he makes a difference. He could probably score. And England don't create anything. And ultimately, the best team best team wins on the night. Chiesa, absolute star. I think vindicated again the fact that he's come in and after not starting the first few games, I'm sitting there feeling like an arsehole again, not knowing what I'm talking about. Um but he comes, he, he gets his, he gets his place, and he keeps his place, and he's the. I think Rio Ferdinand. We know how much shape Rio Ferdinand talks. Talked about England growing into the tournament. This was, this was the guy that grew into the tournament, and he essentially, for me, was the difference maker. He caused them all kinds of problems, and England should have capitalised when he had to go off, and and they didn't, because they've got essentially. I don't want to use the term like PE teacher, but he's not an elite football manager. And in the other dugout, there was an elite football manager. And, and in the end, that was the difference in my eyes. No, I mean, I, I can't really, can't really disagree at all on, on, on that. 
summation really on that on that evaluation of 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 the two of the two managers and and Andy, you just bring it bring it around to you on this. It, it, it's been mentioned the the tactical tweaks have been mentioned the the substitution at halftime, the tweaking of things, um, the the failure of of Gareth Southgate to to react in any way, plus the fairly Samey, if you if you want to use that word, or f- fairly rigid system that uh, that he's employed pretty much throughout the tournament, save against a ten man and severely injury hit Ukraine. Um, is it sim- is, is is it a case of that? Is 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 it you know how much does that um, how much does that play a part? Given the fact that um, England's squad, you look at it, it, it's it's full of stars, it's peppered with attacking quality and you look perhaps at, at Italy's side, and while they're they're all very good players playing with with, with top clubs uh, in in Italy, there there aren't too many standout names. There aren't too many, you know. There's, there's not a Totti there. There's not a uh, Vieri. There's not a not a Del Piero or a Baggio or, or anyone like that. It's it's very much more of a collective. But how much do you think uh, the success comes down to the to the managers? How much do, do they play a part in this? I think in football and especially in, you know, cup football, knockout football, cutthroat, things that are decided on an accidental moment of the game, it's it's very it's all about kind of the ends justifying the means. In a league over a league season, you know, you can lose three or four games and broadly speaking, well, I mean, in every instance the best team wins the league really, don't they? Um and if the best team doesn't win the league then they haven't been significantly good enough to um you know over a 38 game season to to have more points than the other another team so with cup football it's a bit like you know everyone is 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 praising Mancini and Castigate and Southgate and don't get me wrong Mancini is a is a top class manager really likable guy and Gareth Southgate somebody who was rejected for the Crawley Town job three years ago I believe before he uh before he took the um before he took the England job and he kind of fell into that England job. He didn't do particularly well with the under twenty ones, but I think did he win a few qualification games or did he do well in the Nations League or something? And then was given it permanently. Um so, you know, there's absolutely no doubt about the difference in the calibre of the, the two managers on show on Sunday night. That said, if Mancini is you know, say that uh that Arnautovic goal in the in the round of 16 against uh, Austria, if that goes, if that's given, and it's well, it's it's, it's one of those toenail decisions. It's initially given, isn't it? That's how close it was. If that goes in and it league white, and Federico Chiesa goes on to score 30 goals next season and eclipse Ronaldo as Juventus's best player, everyone's saying Mancini's a fraud. Why on earth is he playing Berardi? This, that, and the other. So I do think these things are genuinely decided on something other than tactics a moment taking your chance and uh, and complete luck really i think generally in cup competitions that's it i think the luck has kind of fallen evenly down the middle in this instance because i think italy were the best team in the tournament but for the people you know having a real go at gareth southgate as i say i don't rate him i think he's a fraud i think he's well out of his depth however everyone was giving him stick for picking sterling in the first game everyone was saying why is he not picking sancho who's a, some sort of record goal contributions in the Bundesliga. Um, you know, there's there's other players on the wing which which should be starting ahead of him. 
and I was one of those. I was thinking it's just your typical favoritism. Guys being around the uh, being around the squad, um, you know, a, a typical England picking the picking the big names rather than the players who are on form and who can actually have the best chance of of making a difference in the tournament. But ultimately, Sterling's player of the tournament for me. I know Donnarumma I think's officially named, but it's, for me, Sterling is is the attacker of the tournament and. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those where there's the other one that he plays a three-five-two against Germany, switches to that. They go out against Germany and he's changed the system after three games. He's chastised for that as well. And I know it's not a brilliant Germany side, but they match up the wingers who absolutely destroyed Portugal in the last game, um, and were able to carry a threat themselves. So, you know, it's I find it hard to go along with the whole narrative of. Yeah, you know, putting Saka fifth on the on the penalty shootout, as I say, we'll come on to talk about that. And yes, he is ultimately a pragmatist. He's a conservatist. He's somebody who, I know ultimately Alexander Arnold's picked in the 26-man squad, but those rumours weren't coming from nowhere. He wasn't going to do it. He was going to pick the three or four right-backs who were supposedly more defensively solid than him. And that is an insight, if ever there was one, into his mentality. Because Alexander Arnold, as we know, watch him every week as Liverpool supporters, is one of the finest artists english artists of this generation of football so you know all that considered i do think you know he didn't have the bravery to kind of go for the second goal when it's probably the right thing to do um it's probably the entire uh, the mentality he's instilled um in the squad is is uh you know is is conducive to how they play in the end when they go one nil up as we say they're treating the ball like a hot potato they're not comfortable on it and it they're able to assert a domination on the game which helps them create enough chances to bundle one over the line and ultimately to get themselves back in the game so it, it is hard to say I do agree with Dave that Mancini outcoached him in the final but you know if that ball is saved by Pickford and goes out bounces out the other way and England hold on he's a national hero so uh while I thank think that thank god he didn't yeah I know I know so 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 while I, while I actually agree what everyone said, I do think using this tournament or any individual cup tournament as hard, fast evidence against a manager's tactical nice, you know, unless, as I say, it's 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 blindingly obvious. Like for example, the Portugal Germany game, then you know, I think you I think you discredit the the extent to which football is just often decided on moments, and uh, and the best team doesn't always win. Certainly not in cup competitions. No, I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. There's a there's a lot of uh, variables and a lot of uncontrollables kind of out there. Um, 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 Beryl, um Andy mentions then uh, and and talks about sort of uh, um, the <clears throat> the the moments that that sort of come along in games and 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 Gareth and, and Southgate's. Um, Almost being unlucky in a way, uh, and and it's it's just something I can I can I can, and we we all can as football fans sort of sort of go along with if those moments those those fine margins if if they go the other way then then everything could be different and I suppose that's the the real attraction to to the sport you know as a as a spectator sport it's 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 on a knife edge so often um, and for for so much of the time so. Where are you? Where are you on that? Do, do you feel that? I mean, for me, watching England this this time was 
it was really weird. It was like watching uh, throughout the tournament. It was like watching an Italy side from the 1990s. Um, I think probably the best example is is actually from 2002, where they had just an array of talent. It was it was stupid the amount of the amount of quality they had in that squad, and they they just wouldn't try to score more than one. They would just never ever try to score more than one, and in the end, they very controversially and somewhat corruptly went out against South Korea and if you if you think I'm a conspiracy theorist and a tin hat wearer listener just go back and watch the game um but they go out and and okay it took England a bit longer to go out this time but uh than Italy that time but they went out and for me they went out because they couldn't score more than one goal in the game the exception being against being against a 10 man Ukraine as as we've already mentioned uh, and it seemed to me that he was he was too rigidly married to this idea of no, I've done the research. This is how it goes. We score one, we sit back, we defend it. Do you think that's fair? Or do you think I'm I'm being overcritical? I'm, I'm just perhaps uh, advancing the idea that he, he 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 didn't react and adapt to the moment, to the circumstances. He was more more concerned with 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 sticking to to a plan and sticking to a system which which he believed would. would and you know who can blame him for that? But but where are you on that one? Well, I don't think you're unfair, and and uh, and I also think you know Andy makes uh, uh, good points there. It it it, it is true that uh, you know we've talked about this before. Um, football is a low-scoring game, so uh, you know the, the chances for uh, an outcome that isn't in line with uh, with with uh, with gameplay. So you know. Um, um, is are 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 bigger because of that, um, which means that you know the wrong side can win a game and can win a tournament because a tournament is you know a very limited amount of games. So your sample size is small, and uh, uh, and I'm already almost starting to speak as a as a scientist, which I am in the in daily life. Um, but then again, you know, the other side of that uh, that coin is that um, um, it, it's if, if you look at it as as only a game of circ of, of circumstance and only of, of of things happening and and reactions and luck, then then you know th- there's there would be no tactics involved whatsoever, and and that's clearly not the case. Also, so y- you can influence uh, which people get into uh, positions, which people get into possession. Um, you can influence um, you know, a plan. You can, and and I, I, you know, just as I, as I said before, when you go up one nil against um, against Italy, uh, this Italy, um, and it's a home game, and you know Wembley is 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 roaring, and and you you have all this uh, energy behind you. Then you would expect some more attacks, and and uh, um, you know even if it were to be, um, you know, counterattacks, you, sh- you should have a plan to try something. And I didn't see that. And uh, and uh, I I even like Southgate. Um, um, you know, he 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 didn't do himself service with with the the, the comparisons with. Um, being invaded and and that being a, a factor in winning against Germany that was you know utter bollocks. Uh, if, if I uh, it, it's it, it has nothing to do with anything um, 
but maybe he was trying to appease uh, the more conservative uh, uh, viewers or spectators or England fans. I don't know what he was trying to do. But, you know, before that, I was even started to warm to him because he, he did say lots of good things. And um, and I don't think he's uh, he, he has proven um, to be a, a bad manager or something like that. But uh, And even here, you could say that there is a, a, a very small sample size. Um, as a as a manager of a national team, you don't have a lot of games to show how 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 good you are or how bad you are. That, all of this is true, so we have to take the uh, the results into account. And and a semi final at the World Cup and a final at a at a European uh, tournament is uh, um, you know is no mean feat. And uh, I, we probably <laughs> couldn't uh, master that. But um, then again, uh, you know th- there's all. All of this evidence that you already uh, said that uh, it, it wasn't the most scintillating football that England was playing, and and uh, and I think that there are uh, lots of good England players, you know, players eligible for England or players that we were even selected for England, um, that you know weren't a, um, a, uh, you know, um, weren't played in, a, in, a, in, 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 to their strengths. Let's, let's put it that way. If you play with, with Rice and, uh, what's his name? Phillips, who, who are really good defensive midfielders, but only at the defensive part uh, of their job, I think, then you limit yourself with regard to how you want to build up your game. This is, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm saying something very controversial here. Um, so, which probably means that you you have a plan to 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 stifle the opposition, score a goal, and then you know try to um, to 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 get that advantage across the ninety uh, minutes. But um, so I don't think he did made the most of uh, out of the talent that that is available for England. I think there are some really exciting talents there. I think. Um, you know, Jaden Sancho didn't have uh, lots of minutes to show uh, whether he was any good or not good enough. I don't know. I think I don't think uh, uh, choosing uh, Sterling was a bad choice. And you know, uh, he has had uh, uh, maybe not his best season, but he 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 was champion and uh, did go to a final of of, of uh, the Champions League. So he, he did have a good season in to that. Uh, uh, you know, you, you you could you could easily justify him being uh, selected, but uh, what you saw was that Mancini took off um, Ferrati because he thought he was um, getting tired. Um, I I don't think um, I've ever seen uh, Southgate take off Harry Kane, and and this probably has to do that that uh, with the fact that Harry Kane is a, is a, is a more a powerful figure, um, and you have a, to have lots of authority to take him off. I, I, I think I don't know, but you know, I would have taken him off because uh, he he wasn't con- contributing any any more in, in second half. In first half, he was he was uh, you know um, doing a good job, uh, dragging uh, uh, Chiellini or Bonucci out of the the center and 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 you know uh, holding up the ball very well, but. Uh, um, Italy adapted, and then he was uh, useless from that moment on. But and he was getting tired, and he isn't the fastest uh, when he's fit. So why didn't he take him off? I don't think he had the balls to take him off. And maybe I'm being unfair to him. Um, 
maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but I think um, I would have seen from a more brave manager, from a more tactically astute manager, from someone who is not learning on the job, who has more experience, I would have seen different choices and better football. That's what I think. Um, but, you know, uh, then again, I might be talking lots of bollocks myself. Well, um, that's always always a possibility, Beryl, but, uh, I, but, I, but I doubt it. No, I mean, there's certainly an argument for that. And, and you know, it, I, I have read it and, and heard it myself that uh, I thought it myself when you, when you look at the array of attacking talent uh, that, that England had and have at their disposal, I think it, it was criminally underused. And, and I think when you see those substitutions uh, on 118 minutes, which go on to uh, have a big impact on the penalty shootout, I think that, that, that says it all really. And, and Dave, I'm going to use that wee segue to, to sort of come on to, to the penalty shootout and, and, and maybe some more of, uh, of, of, potentially uh, questionable Southgate decisions. Uh, how much how much they're down to him and, and how much they're, they're kind of uh, a, gr- a group dis- decision and discussion within the, within the squad, I'm not 100% sure. But um, when you send on two forwards in on minute 119 whilst defending a corner... You're not bringing them on to, to to score in the last minute of extra time. They're they're clearly coming on to to take penalties. I and mean, I'm talking about Marcus Rashford and, and Jaden Sancho. And um, lo and behold, with their first kicks of the game, I think uh, certainly not more than than, than five uh, between them, they both conspired to to miss. The said spot kicks and 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 that's before we even come along to. To in a way, poor uh, Bukayo Saka, who found himself um, having to take the 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 all important, the real, the real kind of clincher, the the the, the sudden death one. So yet, um, I want to want to get your opinion, Dave, on on the penalty shootout as it is. Uh, did you ever ever have any doubt that that England would conspire to 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 feel there? And and what do you make of? I mean, I'm I'm going to name my colours to the mask, but before I, I even ask you, I don't like the idea of bringing players. I've never liked it. Mar- Mar- Roberto Martinez has done it um, at at Wigan, I think it was, and I'm sure he's done it at Everton as well, where he's brought a player on specifically to take a penalty, or uh, and, and it's backfired. And I think this has backfired massively on on Southgate here. He's brought on two lads who have barely had a minute between them in the um, in the tournament. Certainly not a meaningful minute. And uh, and he, and he's, he's he's asked them to you know he's he's asked them the ultimate question: Can you stick it in the net in in a in this situation in front of eighty thousand people um, who are banned for your blood, basically at this point? So I don't like it. What what did you make of it, and what did you make of the penalty shootout in general? Yeah, I think just just to quickly touch on on the, like the the yes, it can go wrong for you, no matter how good a manager you are. Certainly in, in a cup scenario, but ultimately as a manager, all you can do is is set your team up in the best way you see fit to go and win a game of football. 
and you kind of got you kind of got to hope that you get that little bit of luck along the way. Um, Mantini, I think that that utilised the squad brilliantly. You find a system that was flexible, a system that worked. Um, you got every area the pitch functioning individually and to complement the entire team where Southgate didn't do that. And we can talk about underutilising the squad, and that's probably fair. But let's be honest, you want to swap Sancho for, for Sterling? doesn't make a difference because they can't get him into the game. You want to swap Kane for, I don't know, who, what do you call him, Calvert-Lewin or someone? doesn't matter because he can't get into the game. And, and that goes on, whether it's Grealish, whether it's Foden. We saw Foden not be able to get into games and he gets after the first two first two matches and he gets dropped and he hardly sees another minute. That's not his fault. So you can change the personnel, but ultimately the structure's wrong and the structure's not getting the best out of the players. And I think England get to the final despite Gareth Southgate, whereas Italy get to the final very much because of Roberto Mancini. They do it the hard way and England do it the easy way. And that's the way I see it. And yeah, they get the little bit of luck that they need, but Mancini puts them in the best position possible to go and win the tournament. Whereas I don't think Southgate did. And eventually that bore out in the final. Maybe not so much on the result itself and how Italy ended up winning, but certainly in the performance level. So that's... But no, I think that's definitely fair. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's my toppings worth on that. The penalties, I think Rashford's a penalty taker, takes them for United. I don't really have a problem with that. Apparently, Sancho takes penalties too, or has done and scored them. Maybe Champions League. That's all right. Saka has a weird one. Um, ultimately, I think the way I saw it was... The penalty shooter against Spain was kind of interesting because Chiellini's up there with Jordi Alba. I've talked about this a couple of times, but he's just so unbelievably relaxed, isn't he? It's like he hasn't got a care in the world. He's laughing, he's joking, and Jordi Alba's going, what the fuck is going on here? Does he not know it's a penalty shootout? And I think the attitude there is the the Italians seem to have that ability just to remove the stress from the situation, whereas the English don't. And that kind of bore out in, in the penalties. That certainly, certainly, Sancho. I think Rashford's a little bit unlucky. Um, he does everything right except he strikes the ball. Just, he just pulls it a little bit too much. Otherwise, it's maybe an off the post, and everybody's talking about it as maybe the best penalty. Sack and Sancho, they look like they're too scared to hit it high in case it goes over. They're too scared to put it right in the corner in case it goes wide. They don't want to go down the middle in case someone, you know, the keeper stands there and, and makes a tether to them. So what do they do? They duck, they put it a couple of feet off the ground. They put it two two feet two yard, you know, two feet a yard inside the post. And their penalties, as though they're differently struck, they're pretty much the ball ends up in exactly the same place. And it's fairly straightforward save for Donnarumma after he goes the right way. So, yeah, I just think nerves got to them. Whether that's something to do with them coming coming off the bench or not, I, I don't I don't know. And it's it's a penalty shootout. I just think the boys I want taking the penalties are the guys with the biggest balls. And you can tell 
almost when a player walks up to take a penalty that he's going to miss. You can tell by looking at him that he's going to miss. And you watch Saka go up there and he looked absolutely terrified. Um, and his, his penalty was that of a terrified young boy, which is what he was. And, you know, it's difficult for him. And I do feel for them. And ultimately, the way I feel about it is I'm, I'm sad for the boys that missed because it's, it's a shit thing to happen. But ultimately, I'm glad because as much as a talented and likeable squad of players this England side is, that country and those fans don't deserve them. So I'm kind of happy enough. I'll take I'll take that sadness with the with the overriding positivity in my eyes of the result. So no, I I, I think that's how we all feel, really. To to be honest, so um, yeah, and and you know. Um, when it boils when it boils down to it, for me, as I said, I, I prefer to have the players on the pitch. They've kicked the ball. They've they've, they've got a feel for it. They've, you know, they're not just that cold. But but when when it comes down to it, you know, um, as you say, Rashford, bit unlucky perhaps. A lot of song and dance about taking it. Bit unlucky. Sancho and Saka, they're 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 poor penalties, but. As you were touching on the big balls there, I'm not sure if, if Gareth and his his boys have the metrics for that. I, I don't know if you can you can you can measure that. Maybe you can, but I, I'm sure it's not physically speaking. You're talking about it's it's more mentally and and I wonder. Yeah, and I think if do you, if you want to look at if you want to look at Maguire, we need Joachim Love to go have a wee fiddle. Though. That's it. A wee, a wee fumble, <laughs> scratch and sniff. Yeah, but if you want to look at it, we can say what we want about Maguire as as a footballer and his talent and ability. But he's got big balls, and he walked up there, and he just whopped it right into the top corner. Absolutely. And that's what you need. You don't need – it's not about technical ability or talent to take penalty. It's about balls. It's about it's burying about, it. Yeah. 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 It's about having the confidence to stick it where the keeper can't save it and not missing the target. And Kane did it. Maguire did it. The other three boys couldn't do it. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's very, very Tony Montana there, but absolutely, it's all about balls. Um, but can I can I just ask uh, um, if you would think that you know Stuart Pearce or Chris Waddle don't have balls? Yeah, I mean, to be to be fair to Stuart Pearce, he leathers it. He absolutely, he absolutely leathers it straight down the middle, and Bodo Wiltner sort of gets a leg on it, doesn't he? And it's it's. It, it's quite lovely. It hits Chris, him rather than he saves it. Yeah, but Waddle bottles it. Yeah, Waddle, Waddle bottles it. it. Pierce's penalties, that other one I hate, where you hit it kind of you hit it kind of straight and really hard because what you don't do there is you don't give the keeper a chance to kind of dive out of the way of it. Yeah, it's too it comes at him too quickly, yeah. And and it, it hits his leg. It is one of them where the keeper's diving actually the other direction and it, it hits his leg. Do you know what I find an interesting discussion around it? You know the way like when what, what do you guys think about the Penenka penalty? Because I think it's probably the best success rate of the lot. And yet when it when it goes wrong, everyone's going mental and Roy Keane's on there saying, well, what's he doing? Put your foot through it and all this nonsense. <laughs> like It's kind of what I said, Andy. It's about not being afraid to make a titter to yourself. It's yeah. about having the balls to not make a titter but to is yourself. It, is it not just literally an, a fallible penalty technique like any other? And just because you look like an absolute fool if the keeper stands up and catches it, 
Sorry about that, Saren. Um, it's it's no different to leather and it like Stuart Pierce did at the end of the day. Probably the taking a panenka, the keeper's going to dive out of the way more times than the keeper's going to get their leg on a Stuart Pierce penalty. That's it. I mean, it, it's for me. I I agree with you. It's absolutely a legitimate way, but but again, it's something to do with. Um, Machismo, I think, on on that scale, I think people, I think the Roy Keynes and so on, that the purists, so to speak, would um, would or the traditionalists, probably is a better word, would would just say, you know, whack it, put your foot through it, and and don't give the keeper a chance, and they'd probably see the Panenka as maybe maybe a bit flowery, maybe a bit maybe a bit cocky, maybe a bit yeah, over over the top and unnecessary. But, but you're absolutely right. There's as much chance, or if not, perhaps more chance scoring that way because. Most keepers, keepers look like idiots as well, and that it comes. To, it's all balls, psychology, mentality, whatever. It's, penalties are a psych-out game, and as long as it's between the the striker and the keeper, essentially, and then the, the striker still has to has to put it on target, and that's where Rashford failed the, the second bit. He he got the keeper going the wrong way and sent him, and and then pushed it wide. Um, but that's it. Keep- can I just say one more? Can I say one more thing on this? Just when you mentioned the goalkeeper, and I yeah. think this kind of sums it up. Donnarumma saves Saka's penalty, and he just gets up and walks away. Yeah. He doesn't smile. He doesn't celebrate. He's just like, obviously, of course we were going to win it. And again, yeah. I think that's a collective mentality that the Italians have. Uh, um, I, I saw what uh, what he said about it. You clearly didn't see. <laughs> he said he didn't know they won the game. Oh, is that right? Fancy. Yeah, oh, I don't know if it's true, but that's what so. he said. To be fair, but, you know, he, he he got questions about it. You know, why didn't you react? He probably, I thought he he was waiting for the VAR uh, uh, because they they were even told not to cheer. Before the VAR had uh, had certified that that they uh, saved it, but uh, you know, to be fair, I think you're right that 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 it's all that is that was machismo. Just saying, yeah, 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 saved it. What else would I would do? <laughs> and just uh, you, you, you could be right, but I'll, just to try and recover my point, <laughs> you know, you, you saw Peckford's reaction when he when he makes the save. He's uh, he's pumping his fist and he's booting the ball away and all sorts of things and Donovan just gets up and walks away like that's my job of course I'm here to see penalties and that's what I'll do and I, I, I do just think that's a collective group mentality did you but, see the thing um, what was it when uh, when Donovan saves a pen uh, <laughs> I'm really sorry I completely fucking forgot what I was going to say somebody else talk for a minute I'll come back <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, trying find, I'm trying to find a funny tweet about Pickford that I saw earlier that I was going to read out and I completely forgot the point um, I was, yeah, it'll come back to me um, so yeah, Chief, you know on the penalties, it, it's that, I, I think that's kind of it, isn't it? you know, it's a shit way to lose, it's kind of a shit way to win as well, but you know, I think what happens after is probably more more pertinent than the actual yeah, I mean, penalties I mean, themselves I mean, that's it. it, it's people say it's a shit way to win, a shit way to lose and so on but, but at the end, there has to be a winner, and you know it's the ultimate test of nerve for 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 footballers. Really, can you stick this in the net uh, in front of all these people with with the eyes of the world watching? And and the answer for England's boys was no, resoundingly. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I remember the point. Sorry, I remember it now. Um, hey, it was. <laughs> so I was trying to find this tweet at the at the same time. Um, oh yeah, it was just it, it really it really wasn't worth the fucking circus. So went with it. It was just like when when Jorginho missed, everyone around me just thought it had gone back to sudden death, and it was only I looked up the scoreboard and I was like, hang on, if Saka scores, we or sorry, if Saka misses, we still win here. Um, but it, the tweet was yeah, uh, we. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, yeah, it was a tweet early on, just what you were saying about uh, about Pickford. Dave said, somebody, some girl called Kate Flood says, decided I'm just going to channel Pickford into all my tasks, make it clear I'm doing everyone a favour just by turning up, act really aggravated to be there, and then do a really stellar job. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, that's it. That's about it. That is about it. You know. Can I do the pens dead quick? Because uh, like I know we've we've been on it for for ages. Yeah, I think there's, there's two things. First one, really really quick. I think Rashford. Um, there was a bit of analysis on it in the Athletic this morning. Um, I'm sorry, I know I always reference them, but I think like some of the some of the best pieces and, and analysis on it, where they said you know Donnarumma. Um, or in a lot of instances now because of like the stutters and the players are watching where the uh, where the keeper's going to go and then making their move. And almost keeping your cool in the penalty shootout and staying up for as long as possible, like Pickford did, is is as important a technique as all the sort of breathing exercises and and mentality stuff that goes around with practicing actually taking penalties. So like Donnarumma stays up right until the last second and makes the players make a decision, and that's probably why Rashford. I mean, it might just be that Rashford's you know miss hit it and the pressure's got to him, but I think a lot of it could be Donnarumma doesn't move, and therefore when Rashford strikes a ball, he sees this beautiful six foot five god in front of him and thinks i'm gonna have to put this right in the bottom corner here otherwise he's gonna save it and i think that's a big thing i remember a, a league cup game just to bring it back to liverpool a few years ago um under rogers when courtois was just in the form of his life and we had created so many chances but we tried to put every shot right into the top corner because we knew that was the only way we were going to beat him so i think that played a factor and just uh, just on the side thing i made this point in the pre-pod um uh, it's not like a particularly strong point or anything, but it's just what I've been thinking about it all day because all I've read over the last few weeks have been how England's like I've been obsessively analysing the data and I hear about like the extent I don't I'm not sure if this was a joke or not, but people saying like when they uh, they blew up the unicorns in the pool to, for everyone, like all the photos the the players jumping on them, it was like put there at a specific time to gauge the mood of the camp or something like that so like to a t everything has been driven by data and i wonder like if it's just been i saw something that steve holland the assistant manager has been like keeping a league table of all the players and the penalties have taken over the last five years and i wonder like is it one of those instances where they've been so obsessed with data and quantifiable things and mathematics and the taking of the penalties in training and who's got that extra 0.1% in training that they've ignored things that you can't quantify. And even if you take it into consideration, you don't know how much of a percentage that plays or how much of a big impact that plays. And I wonder, you know, if, say, Saka's scoring 5% more of his penalties in training than Grealish, um, you know, to what extent does a 19-year-old who's never taken a penalty in his career with the weight of a country on his shoulders, the biggest game in 55 years, who hasn't got that many touches of the ball in the final, who's just been brutalised by Chiellini, is a point Dave made. I wonder, like, does did they slightly underestimate the mathematics of that 
rather than simply, you know, the data they've collected over the years, which has no doubt helped them throughout the tournament. But there's an extent to which, and it's, it's hard to quantify, but it feels like people who are completely obsessed with numbers feel to take those things into consideration because it makes them uncomfortable because it's something they can't put an arbitrary number on. Well, it seems, I, I think that's a, that's a very fair, fair point because it seems unfathomable to send Saka up there, given the situation. It seems that you would send up your most experienced, your most, you, you know, the guy, someone you can really rely on in, in that situation, someone who's who's been there and done it or been around. Well, well Kyle Walker, does he not take penalties? I'm sure he does. Uh, I'm sure he has done for, for Spurs and for, for City, potentially. Well, he doesn't uh, mind hitting a free kick when exactly. there's no expectation on him to score. Exactly, and that's it. Why is it? Why is it falling to a 19-year-old who's who's been in and out of the side? Isn't a isn't a first-team player really? Not a regular starter. And you know, why 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 does it fall to him? For me, it's 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 he plays for Arsenal for fuck's sake. Arsenal are brutal. They don't do anything. They're terrible. He has no reference point of winning or success or anything at all. And or this is the guy. Playing in, even playing in the biggest of games. Exactly. You know what I mean? So so for me, it, it it's very, very bizarre. And I, just, I feel bad for the lads who missed because as we're about to come on the talk, they got dogs abuse and will get further abuse. And their lives probably won't be worth living for for quite a while yet. Um, but you know, in the end, I think uh, as you know, one of the ways we're one of the things we're going to go on and, and, and chat about, Italy deserved it very much because England didn't. And so, I mean, we danced about about it a bit. So the 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 the, the, the abuse that's been hurled the way of those. Three players of colour um, who missed um, racist abuse, of course, um, directed in, in in the direction of Rashford, Sancho, and and Saka. Um, Behaviour of England fans before the game, rushing the the stadium, vandalism, attacks on the public. Behaviour of England fans after the game. And by some accounts during the game, uh, having listened to a couple of podcasts, it was was fairly um, uh, what's the word? Fairly um, volatile at, at points, even within the stadium during the match. So yeah, I mean there had been some, and as as usual, the, the good old jolly old British media were doing their best, and I include the BBC in this, uh, doing their best to to paint uh, everything as as a wonderful festival of, of football and and the nation pulling together after a period of hardship, um, of course that everyone's faced. Although you know there seemed to be an exclusive. Uh, hold on it in, in, in Britain, the way some journalists were talking. But yes, coming together after a a, a a very shitty time, let's put it like that, and and having fun and enjoying themselves and that, that all the shite had been left behind and forgotten about and, and everyone was shiny and clean and fun. But actually, that, that isn't the case. 
Dave, so stick stick with you on this one. They've, they've shown themselves again, haven't they? And it's, you know, are we really going to continue to buy the small minority line? Yeah, I, I'm going to try and keep this really brief. But a lot of focus has been put on what happened during the final. But actually, this has been the whole way through the tournament. You know, from their own fans booing players taking the knee in the first few games, um, from booing other teams' national anthems the whole way through the tournament, laser pens in, in goalkeepers' eyes, you know, running around trashing their own cities and their own streets and their own bars. You know, before the final, they're singing about Scotland getting battered. I'm like, you're in a final? Sing about your own team? Why are you singing about other teams getting beaten? I just don't I don't understand it. So, you know, in my eyes, you know, these fans, they've got no identity other than getting on like absolute degenerates. And we've seen it all before. It's not if it's if if the people want to say it's a minority, it's certainly not a small minority, and I'm not buying that excuse anymore. Dave, um, a minority in ninety thousand could be three thousand, which is still far too many people. A hundred, a hundred percent. And but we're not even talking about people that are in the stadium here. You know, there's people on social media tweeting some tweeting a picture of some young German girl crying, calling her a Nazi slag and things like this. You know, they're storming the stadium, they're fighting in the stands, they're racially abusing players, they're defacing murals of literally the poster boy of the working class. You know, the guy that's putting memes on probably a lot of their kids' tables, and this is the reaction. So, you know, this is this isn't new. It happens everywhere they go. It happened in the Champions League final when there was 3,000 City fans and 3,000 Chelsea fans in Portugal, and they couldn't just go away and have a nice time. They had to go away and beat the shit out of each other because the problem is that's their nice time. And you can tell me I'm wrong to, to, to your blue in the face. I'm not going to believe you. I was at the European Championships five years ago. I watched Northern Ireland fans who, let's be honest, you, you, people who listen to this podcast may not know, but we have had our issues with band culture over the years significant issues but we managed to resolve it and we managed to go away and have such a nice time and get on with everybody that we interacted with that we get given some sort of Paris award for just being dead sound and every other country is able to do it except for England so if it's such a small minority I fail to understand why since the 1980s this hasn't been able to get stamped out Gary Neville's comments probably sum it up, and that's probably a big crux of the issue. But ultimately, these people have an identity problem, and it is a collective national wee man syndrome. Yeah, I mean, um, Beryl, Dave mentions the point there that that it's you know it's 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 not just something that that's happened that uh, during the final stages uh, it's been highlighted more. During those uh, during those matches, but um, but it is something that's been going on all tournament, and in particular the burn of the anthems, and of course the the social media abuse, which look at the end of the day, 
you take your chances on on social media, and I think it should come with it with a warning. And I think it it should certainly be an 18s plus scenario. But of course, it never will be. It's far too late for that now. But unfortunately, if you're a parent and you your kids are on social media, do your best to get them off because because they're it's going to ruin their lives essentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you you've got that going on, and then on top of that, you've got post the final you've got the deluge of of racism that that those lads get hit get hit with i mean do you think there's any chance that that that, 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 that something like this will will actually be tackled and 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 can be be resolved or you just see this as perhaps you know the the tip of the iceberg and and what you what you expect in in the modern era from certainly from from england fans and and from certain groups of society, or, or do you think this is something that we we can actually manage to to, to stamp out? Because let's be fair, they're always going to be unsavory elements in society. That that's a given. Um, but is there anything we we can actually do about this? Uh, I think there is something we can do about this, and I think uh, you know I mentioned before that I I, I did like a, a lot of what uh, what Gareth Southgate does. I think he he made all the right uh, noises about um, the reactions to uh, uh, the kneeling um, for Black Lives Matter, um, uh, and and uh, I, 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 uh, I I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a fan of Harry Kane, but I I did love his statement um, uh, with regard to to the abuse that uh, the, the three players that missed the penalty got, and and the, the last sentence was. Um, uh, we don't want you as England fans, and and and, th- and that's a that's a, a very crucial thing to say. So he he literally said we we don't want you, and I think uh, a lot of um, why this is ha- has been going on for 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 ages now is because no one had the guts to say we don't want you. We um, we don't want your votes. We don't want your votes in a referendum we don't want your uh, you know we don't want you to be our our fans um uh, of the fan of our football club uh you know uh, i think dave is right in, in in pointing to to identity and culture i think you know clubs have cultures you you could you know you you can't um it, there's a, a, a there's a real difference between the club culture of a club like uh, like chelsea or you know liverpool I, I, I think we could, it's fair to say that, and even you know Manchester United, you know it's it's clear that we we have uh, on a, on in, on the the matter of you know sporting rivalry, we 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 do have that with with Manchester United, but I think um, on lots of societal uh, matters, um, with, with the exception of how they uh, you know. Um, React against Liverpool fans, but uh, uh, I think Manchester United fans have um, uh, their their uh, views would align with with uh, uh, the views of, of of Liverpool fans, and the club culture aligns a lot with ours. But you know, it, uh, on the other uh, end of the spectrum, you have a, a club like Millwall. I don't want to um, uh, offend anyone, but um, th- there is a difference, and there is a. Um, uh, you know, there is a stance against uh, racism that uh, some clubs have, uh, you know, very different um, stances than, than others. Let, let's put it that way. Try to be as neutral uh, as I can. 
and and when you look at at the the club uh, the, the, the 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 fan cultures of the the different nations you see you know i i i'm not a fan of of uh, how the the netherlands fans are because they are not football fans and they they treat it as as a as a nice day out and they have these really stupid uh, paraphernalia you know the, the 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 wooden clogs on their heads and 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 the cheese rounds on their heads and th- things like that i think look stupid and don't have anything to do with football but they are uh, they, they don't they don't tend to 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 trash the the, the cities they they go to so they are well liked uh, with that man you know and the ireland fans are are um renowned for for bringing great atmosphere and and um they drink a lot, like you know the England fans also do. But you know they have uh, they don't um, the reaction to to drinking uh, the effect of their drinking is 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 uh, is is not violent. Um, and there is an an England fan culture which uh, you know uh, everybody in in Europe also knows, and which also means that that lots of people don't want England to come to tournaments or don't want them to win. Um, there's also the the romanticism thing, you know. Uh, it's coming home. Um, uh, yeah, uh, it it is the cradle of football, and you know the British Isles, not not England in particular, probably. But uh, and we like uh, uh, the the Premier League. We like uh, you know, and we being um, people not from uh, from Britain, um, and and not only the Premier League, but you know, all the English football culture, but not the England football culture, and. Uh, because there has always been this core of people who see this as a very good excuse to go to places and trash them and 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 uh, um you know uh, as an excuse to to be violent and 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 you know go to places and 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 be bad um and the only thing you can do against that is 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 um make clear that you don't consider these people to be england fans and I think uh, there has been some pandering of these fans for a long while. I think this is the first time um, an England manager, England players uh, have the courage to stand up against these so-called fans, against, you know, that part of uh, the fans. And I think that's the only way to to, to eradicate this, um, um, make clear that you don't consider people um, that act like this uh, to be England fans, uh, but also you know that there is the the, the wider issue of, of racism in, in general and and you know a political gain uh, um, by by uh, you know um, attracting. Or by by diverting the attention from 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 real societal issues, from socio-economical uh, issues, by pointing at migration or at pointing at at, at uh, the diversity in uh, in your population, and and you know that that's a, a different issue. I, I really liked um, the way uh, uh, what's his name, the the, the defender uh, of Aston Villa, uh, the England Tyrone defender, Mings. Tyrone Mings, how he reacted to how Priti Patel um, he, uh, sanctimoniously now uh, was was condemning the the, the racism while you know uh, beforehand she she thought uh, booing the taking the knee was uh, was a part of free speech w- which it isn't if you're uh, if you're not anti-racist you know the other c- c- 
part of that coin. The other side of that coin is that you're racist. So, yeah, um, uh, I, I think I've t- talked long enough on the matter. Uh, I think what um, the England manager and the England players are doing right now is the only way to go forward with this. Yeah, Preeti Patel condoning those who boo the knee is an example of how it's all gone wrong, really, um, for, for Miss Patel and, and for, for Britain in general. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, I, I think you make some great points there, but also Andy Burrell's very much of, of the idea that it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's time, it's time that a stand was properly taken and not just by the authorities, but by, I hate to use the phrase team England itself. Uh, and that seems to be being done. Is that the way forward and, and can it work? Um, I think Dave makes a point there, you know, about the Northern Ireland fans and and how things have changed through campaigns like Football for All and the amalgamation of Northern Ireland Supporters Club. And listen, if Northern Ireland, with our history and our complications over identity and everything along with that, if we can turn it round, then any other country in the world can. Um, but England, though, can they? Just, really? just on that, Andy, <laughs> just don't forget, we used to boo players that played for Northern Ireland for Northern in Ireland. the stadium because they because their club side was Celtic. Yeah. We physically used to do that. And yeah. That's, yeah. Where, that's a place that we came from. However, did we have a government that that's rhetoric and that's kind of publicity around it played into that and begged for their votes and created this kind of narrative around was it woke flakes or whatever the fuck they call it now, where every debate has to be around the England flag and the Union Jack and your pride in wearing it and how the left is having this massive war against it. And things like wankers, like what a bunch. Mate, like there was close-minded wankers. What was this thing the other day? And I don't want to go the rabbit down the rabbit hole, but like two months ago, there was this thing where like somebody from the BBC was on a panel having to. He was obviously being scrutinised, and held to account for something, and some Tory minister spent like five minutes grilling him on how many Union Jacks were in the monthly pamphlet or something, and it was zero. And this was, and this is all it is. It's it's pretty Patel coming out and and calling it gesture politics. No doubt somebody who plastered herself over social media and everything else, clapping the NHS and wearing the biggest size poppy every year. Both of which, by the way, I'm completely with and both of which I did and do. But you talk about gesture politics. It's just an excuse. And all of this, Chief, is just an excuse. This whole thing about BLM being a Marxist organization, it's just an excuse because 90 fucking 9% of these fuckers couldn't define the word for you. And they all say about kick it out and the all these other anti-racist, anti-homophobic things. Oh, nobody ever, nobody ever dissented to that. That's because you couldn't find a good enough excuse to dissent to that. This, because, this yeah, and thing, there wasn't a visible, there wasn't a visible action. It was just... Yeah. Some signs and some ads, you know. Six, 60 years ago, you could get away probably with just being outwardly racist 
and you could probably use the M word and you get away ago, with it. Less than forty yeah. years. I'm, I've well, been, I've been whatever it is, you can't do that now because you are in, to such an extent, the vast minority. So people have to create an excuse. People have to pretend. People have to do it via the back door. You're not going to say, I don't like taking the knee because I'm racist, which we all know is a real reason. You have to say, oh, it's a Marxist organization. And you know what's very interesting? The amount of people who... Uh, will defend England fans to the hilt and say it's a it's a tiny minority. You can't tar all England fans with the same brush. Who will not? T- who will say I'm not taking the knee because of the actions of the Black Lives Matter protests last summer in America, where I think a report came out and said 97% of them of all the protests up and down the country were peaceful. Yeah, but those three percent is is not enough for you to take a stand against uh, a stand against racism. Yet you will scream at us all saying that the England fans are a minority. There's just so many inconsistencies around it. And to have Pretty Patel and Boris Johnson, who I'm pretty sure, I, I could be wrong in this, didn't tweet at all until the semi-finals and were probably ready to jump on the bandwagon like this Conservative MP who's come out this week uh, or whose who's, uh, WhatsApp message has been leaked, uh, basically saying to Rashford. Is that Yeah. Yeah, send Rashford to uh, to concentrate on football, not politics. It's just this real nasty rhetoric amongst the country that's been, you know, and how can you expect Neanderthals and complete thickos to change their ways if they're looking up to the, the, the party with an 80-seat majority and they're seeing Boris Johnson and Pretty Patel saying, oh, go ahead and boo the knee and just completely playing into this um, horrible, you know, pandering to these voters yeah the, the country it's where it is it's center right it's it's not going to change even in the last like 20 years when when tony blair was in that's because he basically compromised absolutely everything of what the labor party the, was supposed to be that's the only way they could get into power so to and be honest plan it again with young Keir. so let's yeah. see what let's see what happens there but i think yeah just i think you're absolutely sorry actually on this and and I would like to say, I mean, I know it's been mentioned that there's a lack of identity amongst England and, and, and England fans. I beg to differ. I think this is their identity at the core of English. At the core, Chief, yes. But I, I think, think it is. I think the, the point I was driving is, at is a lack of identity amongst the England football team and England football fans. Yeah, fair enough. But I think even, even amongst the fans, uh, the English fans, at their core, this is their identity. Their identity is shitting on other countries. Their identity is putting other countries down. Their identity is trashing other countries. Not even bigging their own up because they're they've nothing to big up, but just shitting on on elsewhere. And actually, if you not to put too fine a point on, if you look at at, at the country's history, that's what it's done. You know, it, it hasn't really given much. It's taken a lot. And and that's why they, they don't really have the goodwill as a nation, nor as a nor as a footballing entity when, when they do travel, when they when they go abroad, when when they do join tournaments. People don't want them to be there, as Beryl said, and, and they certainly don't want them to win. And and when people are debating this on question time or whatever, and you wanna know why fans from the other home nations and anyone outside of southern England barely supports England. This is why, because they don't like that identity, 
And it's it's sad that it has had to show up again. But, I mean, this is it at its core, as you said, 40 years now. And it's not going away. In fact, it's getting worse. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I mean hopefully, hopefully, as, as Beryl said, we can't tackle it. But it will not change, as Andy very rightly says, until the society that protects it, that nurtures it, that fosters it, the government that nurtures it, that fosters it, go. They get rewarded for it. And that's it. And they do get rewarded. And somebody said it earlier, I think Beryl said it earlier, these people are courted. They do want your their votes. They do want their, their money for, for the sun, whatever it is, whoever's courting them. They want it. And they shouldn't be. They should be. They should be forgotten about. They should be left behind, like the dinosaurs, in that sense. But uh, I fear that they won't be because England is a is a is a country that, if nothing else, is absolutely rooted in its past, as as these tournaments only go on to show and confirm. All right. Well, we've been rabbiting away for. Um, for for quite a while for an hour and ten minutes I think so. Anything else, lads? Any any final sort of um, thoughts? Any anything you want to add on on the Euros on on how it all went on anything at all? Neil, can, can, oh uh, sorry, did I just? Uh, no, you can go ahead, Beryl. Yeah, I I I wanted to add just a little note on 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 the penalty thing. Um, uh, and Andy was uh, rightly saying that there has been some. Some uh, um, uh, arguments that that there was data-driven decisions there. Um, I, I, I give a, a statistics course, and and uh, I start with a slide uh, um, with the famous uh, Churchill quote: uh, <laughs> "You have lies, damned lies, and statistics." And and then I explain to them that Churchill uh, clearly didn't uh, understand anything about statistics. Um, if, you, if you want to use data, you need to have the right data and you need to um, look into uh, every facet that you can, uh, you know, find um, um, numbers on. If you don't, you, you just get uh, you, you make decisions on, on uh, too little data and too, 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 too little facets of, of, of the problem. So um, and but, you know, that that's all I wanted to say about, you know, if, if you. If you want to uh, make your decisions on the base of, uh, of how someone performs uh, taking penalties, then you should also look into things like um, game state. So uh, how does um, uh, a player perform um, taking a penalty after two of their 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 uh, their fellow players have just just missed their penalty, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, I think. Uh, and, and and until you do have everything you can uh, have and uh, you need to, to make decisions on the basis of data, you just need to follow uh, common sense and instinct, and which would say don't let a 19-year-old boy take a fifth penalty. That's all I really needed to add. Excellent stuff. So if you're going to go by the data, make sure you, you get it all. Brilliant. Great. And anything else then? Yeah, just just there quick. Um, obviously being down there, and obviously I've stuck in the, the England fans, and we all have one here. But being down there, to be fair, my experiences were I had I had no bother with any of them. As I say, I only came into contact with potentially one or two percent of the people in that stadium, and the images and the videos don't lie. 
But you know, I I sat and watched it at the at the box park for ages. Nobody was causing any hassle. Um, it was you know multiracial, multi multinational. Everyone just getting along. It was good fun. No issues with Italy fans outside the stadium, and um, the people who were sat around us. Everyone was kind of shaking hands at the end, and there was no real problem with that. So you know, I think there's no doubt about it. And I, I was as I was. Um, I was saying earlier, I was chatting to a few guys from Birmingham on the train the back way back home. We were just gutted, um, and they were really sound as well. But you know, there's for me, there's no two ways about it. England fans, while it is a minority, and as I say, a minority in ninety thousand can be anything from forty four thousand nine hundred ninety nine downwards. It is a minority, but England definitely do have a greater percentage of Bellends than a lot of other nations. And while you can never really prove that or put a figure on that, people's experiences don't lie, and uh, and, uh, you know, it's not all a big media witch hunt. It is. There is some truth to it. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen it for years. We've seen it for years. OK, but no, I, I do think it's, it's important as well that you mentioned that generally it, it was pretty sound. But there is a there is enough of a core of, of clowns to, to, to really make this a, a big issue again. Um, OK, well, the other lads have had something. Dave, any, anything to, to drop in? Any final pearls? Just that I thought it was a really good tournament. A lot of these tournaments, they're not brilliant to watch. There's not a lot of good games. People complained a lot about the format of the, the 24 teams and you know these weird third place backdoor kind of second round qualifications. But ultimately what it told me was that the more, and it comes back to it again, but the more diverse and the more inclusion there are in these tournaments, it appears to be the, the better the tournament ends up being. Um, so, yeah, fantastic, fantastic games. I think we can all probably look back at, at that, that day where it was, it was Spain, Croatia, France and Switzerland, two unbelievably exciting, dramatic games of football. Um, which is one day of a tournament which will probably be harked back for decades to come as the best day of an international tournament football-wise that we may ever see. So, do you know what? Brilliant. Really, really enjoyable. Really got me back in love with football. I'm a big international football fan. Um, and it's nice to see these people that deride it and, you know, complain about it all year round. Can kind of just get on board and go and, for the large part, just have a nice time. That's it, mate. All bandwagon jumpers we are. Absolutely right. And that's all right. You know, I'm OK with that. I'm OK with that as long as it's not for, like, your own political game oh, and the it. rest. But yeah, so that's me. That's it. That's it. I mean, I have to admit, I am one of those bandwagon jumpers. I've always loved international tournaments and always hated international breaks. So I'm one of one of those. Go figure. So yeah, well, thanks very much, guys. Uh, it's, it's been a real pleasure. Um, and thanks very much, listener. I hope you've stuck with us um, going through this Euro 2020 final. And, and if you've been with us for the other pods uh, you know or, or even this just this one I, I hope you've enjoyed them we certainly have we've enjoyed watching it we've enjoyed chatting to you about it um 
and this will be our last one obviously so we'll be back to chatting about the the reds from well maybe from next week as pre-season started and all that so so yeah uh, i've been your host neil patterson and thanks very much for listening and in the meantime up the reds <laughs>